Chapter fourteen of the Typewriter Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Typewriter Girl by Grant Allen. Chapter fourteen. Now Barabbas was a publisher. I regret to say that from that day forth, Romeo was more marked in his courtesy to me than ever. His manner had always a tinge of sweet antique courtliness, but now he surpassed himself. I regret it, I say because I was afraid I recognized in this courtesy some lingering undercurrent of class feeling. The dear fellow would have been polite to a typewriter girl from the dregs of the people, no doubt. He did not know how to be less than polite to anyone, but he was politer still when he understood that I was an officer's daughter, and, as he learned a week later, that my mother had sprung from a great Anglo-Indian family this was treason to his principles for romeo as he had said was more than half a socialist but i condoned that fault for the sake of his unvarying kindness besides i think he thought well of me because i was loyal to my father's memory as though any one who had known my dear father could have been otherwise romeo published for sydney trevelyan from the moment when I first noticed an air of the Plantagenets among the rows of books in glazed paper covers in the pigeonholes, I had always longed to be present some day when the famous novelist came in to discuss royalties or edition de luxe with his publisher. Sidney Trevelyan's name was like Charing Cross or Hyde Park Corner, a familiar piece of public property. One afternoon I had my will i was seated at my table clicking away at some letters when i heard on the stairs a rich strident voice diffusing itself very loud in clear shrill accents i know not which struck me most its richness or its stridency it was a sonorous voice which one turn of a note would have made unendurable he is in his lair it said filling the room plotting schemes to suck my blood then I will track him to his earth, the young vampire. My dear Barabbas, how are you? He burst into the sanctum, a whirlwind of a man, large, loose-limbed, masterful, with a restless grey eye, and a huge mop of brown hair, shot with threads of russet. Romeo rose to greet him. He flung himself into a chair. It creaked beneath his elephantine weight. I left off clicking at once, and went on with a piece of longhand transcription. Or rather, to be frank, I feigned to transcribe, though my pen was inkless. As a rule, when authors came, t'was my place to leave the study for a while, and take refuge with Puck and Ariel in the ante-room. But as the great man entered, two yards of humanity, double width, Romeo signed to me to remain with a quick movement of the eyebrow. He knew my wish, and was kind enough to remember it. I counted it to him for righteousness. Sidney Trevelyan sniffed and scanned the room, with its oriental hangings and its scent of cedar wood. A nice den, Barabbas, a nice den, he observed, in a condescending tone. An Alibaba's cave, rich with bones of authors, vastly improved since the days of the old robber romeo winced like myself he respected his father you have garnished it afresh the great novelist continued from the spoils of the egyptians you have decked yourself in purple and fine linen 
Well, tis well you should be comfortable in this world, no doubt, for in the next. But I refrain from painting a Tartarian picture. Dante has done it so well before me that, like the grocer in my street, he defies competition. I see you, my dear Barabbas, he raised his voice still louder, almost lapsing into a falsetto. I see you lolling here in eastern opulence, bathed in Cyprian perfumes, and fanned by obsequious Circassian odalisks. I felt him glance my way, though my eyes were fixed on my paper. I see you, like the sultan in Shelley's Hellas, surrounded by large-eyed houris of voluptuous bosoms, who strew your restless pillow with opiate flowers. I call your pillow restless, my dear fellow, partly because that was Shelley's epithet, if memory serves me, but partly also because a publisher, especially a young one, can scarcely expect to enjoy sound slumber. Later on, no doubt, as he becomes hardened in crime, he sleeps as well as a digestion impaired by old port permits. But at first remorse must disturb his fitful rest. I see you, I say, with opiate flowers on your couch stripped. What was the rhyme? Ah, yes, flowers, pillow, stripped from orient bowers by the Indian billow. That is the picture here. But at last comes the awakening. He struck a dramatic attitude and held up one hand. He had impressive fat hands, which seemed always in evidence. You start from your sleep like Mahmoud. Man the seraglio. Guard. Make fast the gate. You dream yourself still lapped in eastern magnificence. Then, ha, what's this? An odour of brimstone, a pallid whiff of blue flame, Mephistopheles smiling grimly on the victim he has landed. You know where you are, unlike the current hero of music-hall romance. You stretch dim hands of fear and grope. You sink down, 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 on a couch of liquid fire. All is lost. Why was I ever a publisher? In which of his circles did Dante place publishers? Was it not close between the avaricious and the prevaricators? But aloft in the Empyrean, pillowed on purple cloud, meanwhile, I enjoy that delight upon which Tertullian insisted as a prime element in the ecstasy of the blessed, the delight of beholding you. But your satellites overhear me. Sense of discipline forbids. Barabbas, he waved his hand. I draw a veil over your future condition. He paused for want of breath. Most fat men are sluggish. This mountain of flesh was alive and volcanic in every atom. Romeo began in his soft voice, And on what particular conspiracy of crime have you come to-day to consult the habitual criminal? Sidney Trevelyan smiled. He liked to be taken in his mood. Well, my business, he said, is as you anticipate a fresh raid against the purses of the philistines we must spoil them my dear barabbas we must spoil them in unison here our interests are identical they have taken two thousand i see of the three-volume mahatmas that's not enough you must issue at once a six-shilling edition grovelling beasts prone in the mud they love 
what do they mean by rejecting this so great salvation let moody's see to it i shall answer their neglect by flinging back mahatmas in their teeth for six shillings i know whence it comes this rebuff those ignorant parrots the critics they toss at me ever their parrot cry of artificial artificial their own thoughts grub and grunt in the mud of their sty and they blame it to the eagle that he should circle about gleaming icy peaks in clear ether unnatural they say overloaded that man snig or snag or snog something teutonic and unlovely i decline to remember his honoured name he reviewed me in the parthenon he has no wings himself and therefore he thinks flight an indecent gambling but what do i care for the whole crew not an obolus not a doit neither for snag nor bag neither for archer nor parcher he paused again to catch breath in the lull romeo put in quietly it is too soon in my opinion for a cheap edition no barabbas it is not it is the psychological moment the world awaits it with hushed breath six shillings bound in cloth irish linen dark green a subtle shade a shade i have in my mind's eye like lavender leaves in spring when the sap mounts emerald through sea hoary stems you catch my idea a green not wholly green not altogether blue not grey not glaucous but something of all and more than all with a cunning design by that mad young belgian withy bands that twist into interlacing dragons the title in their midst in somewhat celtic letters he broke off abruptly once more i could feel him glance my way i seemed to see through the back of my head i was sensitive to his movements suddenly he burst out in a quite different voice snorting like a war-horse send that young woman away he cried executing a sort of ponderous rhinoceros dance before me send her away i tell you i can't stand her i won't have her scribbling there and making notes of all i say she's a paragraphist a paragraphist the vilest spawn on god's earth a paragraphist what do you mean by setting spavined shorthand writers to report my obiter dicta he advanced towards me striding i had risen hurriedly go off he cried waving his hands at me as if i were a gadfly go off i won't be listened to and paragraphed i could feel you paragraphing me away young woman away with you and by dint of sheer bulk he drove me before him romeo opened the door for me he spoke with deference i think miss appleton he said you had better take a seat in the ante-room for the moment as your presence here seems to disturb mr trevelyan i went out mystified as the door closed behind me i heard the great man snort again now really barabbas if you choose to keep dusky samian slaves chained in your lair for your hours of leisure you should have the decency to unchain them when fellow-conspirators come in with proposals for a joint campaign against Ascalon, i sat in the ante-room for half an hour ariel gazed in my face with sympathetic inquiry the old bear was rude he asked at last in a low voice i might almost call him so 
It is his way, Ariel replied. He seems to wipe his shoes on one. But he's not a bad old chap either, Puck put in. He chucked me half a crown once for going a message for him. And called you a tartar-nosed imp, Ariel added, and hit you in the eye with it. He is a very great genius, I observed sententiously, half to salve my own offended dignity. But a genius is a man, Ariel remarked, and I felt he had reason. Twenty minutes later the famous writer emerged. He cast a scowl at me in passing. Change your typewriter, woman, he said curtly to Romeo. Good-bye, my dear Barabbas. Rob on, rob ever. His broad back vanished down the staircase like a sinking hippopotamus. Well, Romeo asked, with an anxious face as I returned to my post when the tornado had passed. Now you have seen him. What do you think of Sidney Trevelyan? I think, I said, I would rather be a Barabbas than a Byron. End of chapter 14